Give it up for Brother Matt. He's going to preach the word for us tonight. Um, does E-Mace use that? Yeah. Pastor E does? I'll use it then. <laughs> Take some of that power back to Dallas with me. <laughs> Thank you, man. Hey, how are we? We good? Yeah. All right. Um, I, I won't go long. I, I, more than anything else, I'll just tell you my story because it relates to these things. Um, I grew up a bulk of my life just confused about what all this was. Um, didn't quite understand what all this was, uh, what, what Jesus on the cross had to do with me. Uh, I grew up in a home where my father was an alcoholic, was very abusive in just about every way you could imagine, abuse. And my mama was a, uh, the daughter of a, a fundamentalist Baptist preacher in the backwoods of Missouri, uh, like snakes and poison. You tracking? Snakes and poison? Mark. Not in the original manuscripts, but read on, all right? So... When, when you're in that environment, you're just confused, man. Now, so I, very early on, I would have identified myself as an agnostic. I, I, I understood there was a God. I, I think that, I, I, even now, I, I feel like I'm fairly intelligent, and I've never really been able to understand uh, atheism. Uh, I don't know what you do with, like, I don't know what you do with beauty. I don't know what you do with love. I don't know, if there's not a God, then those things are just chemicals firing off in your brain, that it means nothing. If there is no God, then why are we trying to save anybody? And what is injustice? And what, we could go on and on with this. Why are we in Darfur trying to help people on another continent? Why why does Habitat for Humanity build houses? Why are we, like, nothing makes sense if there's not a God. So I, I thought there... There had to be a God, but I was just extremely confused at who he was. And, and then, for the record, thought if there was one, he didn't care for me. Um, and it didn't take me long to figure that out. See, I'm 34 and times have changed. Um, so I know I'm not, like, I'm not old yet, but I'm not young anymore either. Um, like, you, some of you, when you pop popcorn, you press a button on a microwave, George Jetson style. I, I had to put oil and seeds into a pan and wait. And just wait or jiffy pop that mug, all right? Uh, or, and I'd go on and on here. Uh, if I wanted to re-listen to a song, I didn't just press one button. I had to press rewind and press play real quick. Stop, press rewind. Stop, pre- press play real quick. Press rewind, press stop, press play real quick. So anyway, we could go on and on and on. Even how you were disciplined, it's just a different... I mean, when I was a kid, we didn't get to go into the corner and think about anything. I, mean, I don't even understand that. Time out was what happened when your daddy knocked you unconscious, if I was bad to be honest with you. But I grew up when the Ten Commandments were on the wall. Uh, I grew up when the Ten Commandments were on the wall, and you stood up, and I grew up in the Bay Area. Uh, you stood up right outside of San Francisco, Alameda, and we faced the flag, and we put our hand on the heart, and we said the pledge, all right? So right there next to me on the wall, um, don't lie. Don't covet. Don't, so I'm, like, I already know. Like, I already know that if there is a God, he's not a fan of me. And, and then even my church experience wasn't positive. Like, we, I would go to little children, like VBS and stuff, and we'd sing, song about, sing songs about God hating liars. And I'd be like, God hates the, hates the liars, what? Lake of fire for the liars, what? The hell, what? What? Wait a minute, I'm a liar, huh? I'm just singing a song about God destroying me. And so this, this is kind of my path. We moved to Texas, and uh, a guy named Jeff Fairclaw 
uh, on the football team just started sharing the gospel with me. Man. And, and at the time, I, d- I didn't know it was the gospel. I didn't, you know, I just started hanging out with his friends. And, and so I remember the first time I started trying to make sense of this, I'm sitting down um, at this real, I kind of go to church with him, didn't quite understand it. We went to this real high-end Mexican food place called Casa Ole. Um, really about 40 people could eat there for $7. And we ate, and here was what the conversation was between him and his Christian friends. This is going to date me, I know. Um, they're talking about whether or not as Christians they can go see Terminator 2. So they're going, can we? I don't know, it's rated R. I don't, you know, there's, I don't know if we can go see that, I don't know. So here's what starts to form in my head. That Christians are good people from good homes. I was thinking um, Ned Flanders from The Simpsons. Good friends, good, because they would do that. Like they wouldn't cuss, but they would cuss without cussing, right? Like ding fod, you know, and what? What does that mean? Oh, you mean, oh, okay. All right. I'm with you. And so good, good people who did well, whose daddies loved them, mamas loved them. They had little Bible studies at the dinner table. They were good people who didn't watch rated R movies. And then um, this is what starts to form in my head. And really nothing over the next six months would change my mind about that. Um, I I would go to church with them in the 80s. Um, All youth stuff in the the suburbs were, were based on acronyms. So on Wednesday night, we went to this thing called JAM. And it stood for Jesus and me. And um, it happened everywhere. I don't know how anybody got saved in the 80s, but I, I walk in and they're singing, I got joy down in my heart, deep, deep down in my heart, spell it. And then like everybody spelled joy with their body. So I made it through that though. I did judge them, but I made it through that. And then we watched a video called Hell's Bells and it was about secular music and it was made by I believe Focus on the Family made it um, and it was this video that basically said that if you listen to secular music um, that you know demons are going to get in your heart you maybe would kill your parents and you would you know it was, and then here's who they used he, he was, I mean this was so the church it's still been my experience for the bulk of the churches I've, I get to visit they were telling us not to listen to the band Journey I didn't even know who that was we were all listening to like Beastie Boys licensed to ill and uh, late run DMC, and so I was like, no problem. Don't listen to Journey. Not an issue. I'm good on I passed this one. And, and then finally, we made it on to, so here's in my head, okay, we, they don't see rated R movies, okay, which once again doesn't bode well for me. I saw two. I even was one of the nine people that saw three. And then um, don't listen to secular music. Well, man, back then, I mean, I don't, Christian music just, it hurt. It was painful. It really was painful. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. It was, I mean, where I was, it was like Sandy Patty, Wayne Watson. That was it. Right, no, that was wrong. Petra. That was what all the white kids were listening to. Petra. And so, man, I couldn't listen to that just for how bad it was. Painful it was. And, and then finally ended up at a, you know, eventually got invited to a True Love Waits rally where I learned that Christians apparently didn't like sex either. And so in my very short time, Christians were people who 
um, didn't watch rated R movies, didn't listen to a type of music, um, um, didn't drink beer, sure, um, um, didn't drink at all any kind of alcohol, and and then didn't like um, they didn't like sex, and so. I, to me, I was just very confused with what they were singing and so excited about on Sundays. Because they just didn't like anything. I just didn't know what they liked. It just seemed like they were against everything and not for anything. And so I was just kind of confused. And, and then I'll read you a text because this is really, this text is really my journey. In, in 1 Corinthians 6, starting verse 9, it just says this. Do you not know that the unrighteous inherit the kingdom of God? All right? Now, I got that. Like, I, I get that. Like, I remember sitting out there going, okay, I got it. You're in. I'm out. You're good. You've grown up in good homes. You've done good things. You haven't been where I've been. You haven't done where I've been. Okay, great. You win. I lose. The wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God. You inherit it. I don't get to inherit it. That's that. Are we switching out? That's for you. Excellent. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I remember sitting out there going, all right, I get it. I, I get it. And then this text actually goes on to list my people. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the revilers, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So this is just, this to me is fundamental, basic Christianity that I've heard my whole life which is, I'm a sinner, they're not. And whether or not that's correct doctrinally, that's how I saw it, that's how I sensed it, and that's how I heard it on Sunday mornings. Because, like, any time there were these little, like, these little jabs. See, what happens when a church isn't missional, what happens when a church is not engaging the culture, is they will simply preach to themselves, and in preaching to themselves, isolate the culture. So anytime you see a pastor joke around, speak with a lisp, making fun of gays. Anytime you see some sort of jab at the club or jab, what, what they're doing is isolating people and telling them, you, you're out. You, you're out. So for me, I'm sitting First Baptist Tech City going, all right, I get it. I'm out. You're in. All right? And, and for me at that point, I didn't even quite get, I just thought they all kind of grew up with Ned Flanders. Like I didn't get it. I just thought, literally I thought all of them, like their mamas went into labor at church, shot them out at the altar, all right? Preacher picked them up, slapped their bottom. They said, Jesus. That was like the first thing they said. They just baptized them right there, all right? And, and they were in. And then they just kind of watched, walked in perpetual holiness. And that was kind of my understanding. But then look at this next line, because this kind of threw me off. This idea threw me off. And then it, it had me reformulate what I thought our faith was. So... It says, and such were some of you. All right, so now I, I kind of went, oh, oh, okay. He was a reviler, but now he's not. He was a liar, and, and now he's not. Uh, okay, he was a thief, and now he's not. Oh, okay, so they were these things. Jesus saved them. And now they're not these things. So they've pulled themselves up from their bootstraps. They're no longer doing what's wrong. They're now doing what's right. I can do that. Only I really stunk at it, man. I'm just not going to lie to you. I just never, like I know depending on aptitude and discipline, like people can white knuckle stuff. 
you know, some of us like are months, like we can go months and be like, mm-mm, mm-mm. Man, I, I'm out in like seven seconds, man. I, I would literally leave church and go, never again, never again. Sure, let's go. And would be, <laughs> like I would know, like in my head, like it, I just would. And so what was next for me is, uh, okay, let me just try to be good and let me try to be good and let me try to be good. And so here's what happened to me. Here's, here's my cycle. The funny thing is thinking back on it, just, just there's no God in it anywhere, but I would want God to like me because he's God, right? Controls heaven and hell and all that. You just, certain people, I don't care if they like me. I wanted him to like me. And, and so I, I would go to church and I would hear, all right, I would hear true love waits. I would hear we don't drink alcohol. I would hear we don't use certain type of language. I would hear we, and so I would go, okay, I'm going to not do those things because I want God to like me. And then um, like a couple of weeks later, I would, okay, a couple of seconds later, I would fall right back into that. And so then what I'd do is just kind of avoid church for a little while. And then the patience of my friend would pay off and I'd come back around. And then I'd come right back in. And what would happen is, here's what they got me. I don't know how it played out for you, but where I was in the Bible Belt, like the youth ministry calendar was always the same. Like you always went to youth camp, you always had a D-now, and you always had a fall retreat. Okay? And so what happened to me is my spiritual experiences every year were at fall retreat, all right? And then I'd come back home, and before too long, I'd be right back off the wagon. And then I'd, I'd get invited or pestered to Disciple Now. And sometimes I wouldn't even want to go to Disciple Now because I knew what was going to happen. I was going to walk down front crying and ask you to save me. And then I was going to go right back and do what I, I just wanted to avoid all of that. And then I'd go back to D-Now and I'd do it again. I'd like, all right, Jesus, I'm yours and I'm not going to do that anymore. And then, and then I would, you know, a couple of weeks later, be just doing what I was doing before. And then I'd get invited to youth camp. And at youth camp, you had to get saved. Like they would not dismiss. <laughs> they wouldn't dismiss Thursday night until everyone got saved. And that's why they never really even gave you an invitation to the gospel. It was always, who wants to be a better Christian? Okay, I, I mean, who, who's going to say no to that? And, and so this is, this is my faith. And you want to, I, I don't know what, I don't know where I am. This is my first trip into Philly. Um, I love it so far. I'm even flying over, flying over. Um, trip, man, Dallas is like spread out. and there's, I mean, this is like, bam. I mean, it's like all on top of itself like there's other people in our hotel room it's a weird deal man philly is just it's like is this our room it's our room too it's like how many how many people are staying here tonight you live here and so philly it's different but 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 here's here's where man this is most people's faith i know like this is most people always just trying to be good no Jesus in it at all. No relationship with God at all. No pursuit of the Lord at all. They just hate that they look at porn, man. They just hate that they sleep around, man. They just hate that they can't stop drinking. They just hate that they quit going. To, like, they just hate those things. It's, it's what the Bible calls worldly sorrow. Like, they don't like it. They don't want to be that. But the Bible says that even worldly sorrow, that I don't want to be that, is going to lead you to death. It's going to lead you to death. And then look at what happens next, because here's where it starts to come together for me. And such were some of you, but listen to what he says next, but you were washed. Yeah, that's not first person. It, it didn't say, but you washed yourself clean. That's not what he said. It, it says, but you were washed, which means there was an active agent that did the washing, which means something else made you right before God, not you trying to do better. 
but something made you right. Something washed you. So, like, I'm a grown man. I get in the shower. I wash myself. My, my little boy, not, he plays in the water. He will come out as dirty as he came in if someone doesn't help him. All right? And so I wash him. I am the active agent. He is the passive agent. He's trying not to drown. That's all he does in the bath. Don't die. That's his only goal. Don't die. My goal, get him clean. Active agent, passive agent. What just happened here is there's a passive agent and an active agent, and I am the passive agent. All right, so let's keep going. But you were washed. You were sanctified. Now, I, I want you to follow me here because what I've also learned is that Christians, no matter where I go, love to go, oh, that's right, Jesus did it on justification, but very quickly on sanctification, they want to take it back and do it themselves. So they'll go, oh, thank you for saving me. I'll clean this up now. No, no, no. You were sanctified, passive agent, active agent, someone else. Oh, okay, we'll keep going. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. All right, so I'm, I'm going to read one more text to you and then I'm done with my, with my time. Um, I, I want to go to just my favorite on this, which is Philippians chapter 3. Just, I'll, it's going to be real hard for me not to do the whole chapter. I don't have time. i got a one-hour clock. i got to stop that. Here we go. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. is no trouble for me, and it is safe for you. But he's writing rejoice from prison and not prison where there's cable and a chance to go outside and walk. Look at two. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. So here's what he's... There's this group of men called the Judaizers who are saying that in order to have right standing before God, if you wanted right standing before God, you had to first become a Jew. So if you would go through the rites of passage, if you would do this, do this, do this, do this, then God would love you. The Bible calls that methodology evil doing and calls those who perpetrate it dogs. Dogs. Evil doers, those who mutilate what the Lord has created. All right, we'll keep going. For we are the real circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no, zero, none, no confidence in the flesh. But listen where he goes here. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, and as to righteousness under the law, I'm blameless. I wish I could go through every one of these and give you the first century, really what he's saying there, but let me just unpack it like this. The Apostle Paul is simply saying, thank you. Well, he's not saying thank you, that was me. He, he's saying, you, you think you got religion down? Like, you think you're good at playing church? I will kill you at this game. I will kill you at this game. My mom did give birth to me in the temple. I was eight years old. I was eight days old when they circumcised me. When they did smack my bottom to make me breathe, I did say Yahweh. On the back of my chariot is a fish and then four other little fishes for guys I'm currently discipling. 
I have never listened to anything but Hebrew music. And I have never seen a rated R film that was not about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. I have never missed a Sunday. I have never missed a Wednesday. I have never missed a Sunday night. I don't own a television. I get up at 3.30. After, I go to bed at 3. I study the Bible from 9 to 3, go to bed, wake up at 3.30, and start studying the Bible. That's what he's doing. I don't know. That's what he's doing. That's me. Now, look at what he says about all of that. So follow me. Look at what he says. But whatever gain I had. Now, I don't want to lie to you. Playing the religious church game has some advantages. You can rise to leadership. You might make a little bit of money. People look at you like you got your stuff together. That stuff can, that's addictive stuff. Oh, you're so godly. Yeah, yeah, I am. I am. You, you get really good at regurgitating stuff that you know but have never applied. Like Pastor E preaches it, and then next Wednesday, one of your, one of your boys, your girlfriend's like, I'm just struggling, and you just go, well, oh, and you regurgitate E's sermon back to him. I mean, you ain't applied it yourself. You ain't walking in it yourself. You haven't been transformed by it yourself, but you can spit it back up on somebody else. Huh? Yeah? All the time. I see, I mean, I see my people down at the village doing it all the time. You just get into just madness with that. Yeah, mental experts. Sad way to live, I think. But whatever gain I had, all right, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, Greek word for excrement. Excrement's the proper English word for... Let's keep reading. In order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Oh, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him unto death, that by any means possible, I may attain resurrection from the dead. Look, here's what he's saying. Whatever I could gain in being religious, whatever I could gain in being morally upright, whatever I could gain in external, outward obedience to commands, it's all rubbish next to knowing Christ. So he's saying, if you master all of that, but you miss Jesus, who cares? Like, who cares? So what? You don't cuss anymore. Do you know Christ? So what? You don't watch this type of movie. Do you know Christ? So what? You don't... Here, can we do this? How about we live our Christian life like this? Instead of you just coming up with a moral code that you want to live by, that maybe maybe Christ hadn't asked you, maybe he has. How about we do this? On top of obedience to the law that's birthed by the grace of Christ through Christian community and accountability, how about we start asking this question, what stirs my affections for Jesus Christ? What stirs them? And then fill our lives with it. Like, what's the, what when I'm around it? What when I'm in it? What when I'm... Because, listen, um, like, m- the crew that I run with, my guys, man, we're all different. We're, okay, I'll give you an example. Like, I love the morning. I love... There's something cold and quiet about the morning. I love it. 
Now, I, I just, that didn't happen to me until like, I had my first kid. Up until then, I was like, I love the evenings. I love the nights. All right, first kid come along. She goes down. We're like, oh, God, all right, and we go down, all right? So I love the mornings. I love, there's something about the smell of coffee. It just makes me love the Lord, man. I don't know why I love it. Music, m- music, and, and really any kind of, not any kind of music. I think country music's a problem. I think somebody's got to solve that. I think they've got to get up into Nashville and figure that out. I, something, something happened there. I don't know what happened, but it's wrong. Anyway, like I like any music that sounds like whoever wrote it is in pain. I don't know why I do like if someone's hurting, like if they're hurting, I don't know why I like it. I just like, I like, I want to feel, just let the music feel like something. I don't, something, I don't know, I like it. So it can have words, it can not have words, it can, just as long as there's that thing in it. Angst, that's the word. Angst. If there's angst in it, I love it. I, so something about early mornings and, and then, um, man, I'm a reader. I've been a reader since I was a kid. I mean, you looking at me, I'm a gangly white dude. I can't play sports. I, I read books. That's what I do, all right? Uh, fourth grade, everybody's dribbling on a basketball. I'm, a basketball. I'm like, mm, that's peculiar. <laughs> right. I mean, that's who I was. So I, I, read, I love to read books early in the morning with angst-filled music while I'm drinking a cup of coffee. Um, how about this one? When I was my college roommate, a potluck college roommate, his daddy died of cancer, lung cancer, got him quick. That dude won the Medal of Honor. He's one of the few people that was alive who had won the Medal of Honor. He got all shot up, dropping off some troops in Vietnam, like shot up his legs, and, and he actually flew back and flew two more, troop, two more groups of troops in before he landed and got drugged to the hospital and, and at, at his funeral, and their 21-gun salute and the whole thing. After it's over, I'm walking around, and I found a tombstone of a dude who died at my age at the time. It was like 23, 24. So I just sat down there and just stared at that tombstone and wondered about, was he married like I'm married? Was he, I, okay, here's, for some reason I felt mortality in that moment and it made me love my salvation. So can I throw this crazy idea out to you? I love the graveyard. It stirs my affections for Jesus. Okay, now watch this though. Michael Bleeker, one of my best friends, he ain't going to the graveyard with me. That, that stuff scares him, man. He does not like that. He also doesn't like the early mornings. And I, let me be honest with you, I don't know if he can read. <laughs> I'm be honest with you. He's a musician. I don't know. He, he, he does not, he, he, he's not, he, he, he'll take his Bible, open it up, grab his guitar, and he will sing to the Lord all morning. I'm, that is not the nature of my relationship with the Lord. I really think even if I tried, he might come in and go, mm-mm-mm. No. No, read. I made you a reader. <laughs> yeah, so, so in the end, I start to understand that the cross of Christ was not about, I don't even know what I, I never even understood it. But I started going, oh, the cross of Christ is my righteousness. It's not my righteousness. It's his righteousness. I don't, and so what ends up happening is that set me free to pursue the Lord and fill my life with the things that stir my affections. Now, here's the big one. 
the other question I think you have to ask yourself is not only what stirs your affections for Jesus, but then what robs you of those affections. Because here's what I believe for you. Um, maybe, I don't know if you're aware, I, I've been following the Lord for a long time now. I, I don't know if we're, like if I walked out of here tonight, I'm walking to my hotel and a guy pulls me aside and offers me black tar heroin. That's not going to be a struggle for me. Like I'm not going to go, oh, can you, can you give me a minute? <laughs> Need a piece of paper. Pros, cons. <laughs> cons, probably going to lose my job. Um, Lauren's going to be furious. Uh, could lose my children. Um, pros. Next hour and a half could be really cool. I don't know. I've never done heroin. Um, the, that's not, I'm going to go, no, no. I'm, this is what I'm trying to say to you. You know what gets me now? Morally neutral things. That's what steals my affections. It's things that I can't go to the Bible and point out, this is wrong, don't do this. It's just stupid crap that I buy into and start spending my time on and wasting my brain on that leads me very slowly away from the king of glory. So can I give you my list there? Because you can't, I can't make you do, I can't go graveyard, 4 a.m., coffee, now. All right? So you, you got to answer this for you. Here, I, man, I, just, I can't follow sports too closely. I'll start to care. And I think it's dumb for a 34-year-old to build his emotional life around what 18 and 19-year-olds do with a ball. So I can't follow it too closely. I'm not telling you you can't. I'm telling you I can't because I will care. And I'll start sounding dumb. I'll go like, we lost. <laughs> you play? What? Yeah. No. Can't, I can't watch too much television. And I'm not the guy that thinks it's the demon box. What will happen to me is this. I will very slowly begin to laugh at what God calls wicked. And it's not okay, so I've got to watch it. Other guys can't. Other guys watch that and be just indignant. They're like, blasphemers. But I'll watch them. Like, <laughs> they are blasphemers. So I can't do it. Can't watch it. All right? So I can't do that. So what stirs your affections for Jesus Christ? What robs you of your affections? See, if, I, if you live there, then I think you're walking in Christian liberty. Because your focus is a relationship with Christ and he's going to convict, he's going to chisel, he's going to push. If you're asking yourself, what robs me of those affections, your pursuit is Jesus Christ. It's not some sort of external religious moral agenda, but it's the gospel. And then in that, everything starts to be redeemed. Like when God created it, he created it all rhythmically. Like there was sex, but there wasn't lust. There was wine, but there wasn't alcoholism. There, was, there wasn't drunkenness. There was food, but there wasn't gluttony. There was, like, he starts to redeem it as you go, you're who I want. You're what I want. You're who I want to worship. You're who I want to be around. And then he starts going, if you want me, we go this way. And if he's the goal, he's what we're after. He's, I'm not, I don't have a checklist on my wall going, okay, have a quiet time, have a day, do that, go over here. What I'm doing is going, I want you, I'm pursuing you, I'm doing it violently. Which means if something needs to die, something dies. If something needs to be walked away from, I'm going to walk away from it. Why? Here's why, and I've got to close. I've gone so long. Because um, there is a resurrection. That's what he said in Philippians. There is a resurrection. You are going to die. We're two hours closer. Don't matter how many Pilates you do. Doesn't matter how you eat. Doesn't matter. You are going to die. I am too. And many will say to me on that day, did I not prophesy in your name? 
Did I not cast out demons in your name? Like, I consider myself a godly brother, but that, I ain't cast out any demons. In fact, I've been in a room twice where that happened. I got out of that. I didn't know what to do. I just preached to it and got out. Did I cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do all kinds of, what's Jesus' response? I don't know you. And then who, who on that day is standing before him? And they're revilers and swindlers. And what, what happened? I know you. All right. So the law, it reveals that we're wicked. That's what I felt from day one. That's what I felt from day one. The law did. Legalism is what I saw early on in the beginning. Don't do this, do this, do this. Do this. No mention of Jesus, just Terminator 2. Liberty is what happened when Christ saved my soul. If you're not careful, because I'm looking around, there's a young urban crowd, so what I know is you hate legalism. If you're not careful, your sprint away from legalism will not lead you to liberty. It will take you to license, which is just as destructive as legalism ever was. Liberty, yes. License, no. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for these men and women. I thank you for our short time together. We love you. Um, I, I pray right now you flood these souls, these minds, these hearts with what stirs up their affection for you. Whether that be music, whether that be movies, whether that be... I know it's going to involve the word. I know it's going to involve prayer. I know it's going to involve seeking you. But I pray right now just in a flood, you would reveal to their hearts and minds what stirs their affections for you. And Father, I know some of them are absolutely walking in the things that rob them. They're choosing relationships that don't stir them up towards you. They're choosing uh, hobbies, activities, play areas that do not stir their hearts up to you. I pray for a more serious faith my young brothers and sisters in here. A serious faith, not a plaything, not a plaything at all. We love you, Father. Help us, though. Help us. It's for your beautiful name. Amen. Amen.